You're listening to Have Mike Will Travel with Elizabeth Santry. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. This podcast is about creativity, the professional aspects of creativity. Well, you could also say it's about creative thinking. You see, a career in a creative profession typically means carving your own path and making a lot of important decisions alone. And when competition is fierce and the market's uncertain, getting firsthand insight can really help. Join me as I interview full-time creative professionals and ask them to reflect on these really important moments in their career. Each episode, my guests open up about significant and sometimes even subtle choices that have led to their success. I know it can feel lonely out there, so I hope you find their stories as inspiring as I do. So I'm leaving Australia and I'm flying from Sydney to London. It's a really long journey. It's about 18 hours. And the cool thing was something happened that's never occurred to me on a flight, which is I made friends with the person sitting next to me. His name is Mark Pollan, and he's the head of retail operations for Rafa Racing. After chatting with him for quite some time, I realized he needed to be on the show. It's kind of obvious, I guess, at this point in the story that he's the next guest. Uh, But seriously, it was an absolute delight to meet him And he ended up bringing up really interesting points of view that needed to be talked about on the show. He arranged for us to meet in a cafe in East London. And when we got there, it was just way too crowded and too loud. So I quickly tried to come up with a new location and I invited him to Bloody Gray Studios. It's a creative agency that cultivates innovative fashion designers. And I thought it was perfect setting to have a chat about the world of retail. It wasn't just Mark's know-how and professional experience that I wanted to showcase on the show, but I also wanted to show off that he's got this really pleasant and genuine demeanor and personality because it's kind of become this unspoken element of the show. It's people who are working really, really hard in really, really competitive environments, but I'm specifically trying to pick people who also have really thoughtful and kind personalities that care about the overall creative community and hope to help other people. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I really appreciate you coming here to the studio at Bloody Gray because the cafe was definitely too crowded. It's it's quite a nice studio. Actually, it's quite. We're surrounded by wonderful oh. art. There's some fish. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very homey, but it's yeah. it's well curated. Mm-hmm. So okay, you are from where? Um, well, I'm from a small town just outside Belfast in Northern Ireland, Risley. Mm-hmm. And what's it called? Um, it's called Lurgan. Okay. Yeah, which sounds really exotic, but it <laughs> totally isn't. <laughs> and at what part of growing up did you think pretty certainly that you were going to leave? Um, I've always felt that way. Okay. Like, literally, like, if my mum my, my always said it, I was never built to live in that town basically mm-hmm. um like anytime we would go traveling like be it abroad or whatever i was always like fascinated by big cities mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to leave basically mm. so um i've always had itchy feet like even since like early teenage years my brother he was at university in glasgow I just go visit him quite a bit and i just love glasgow as a city mainly because it was bigger so did, did you get a lot of travel experience with like as a youngster was that part of the family dynamic to, to go out to places um 
Yeah, it was to a certain extent, like um, just around Europe, basically, and the UK predominantly. But it kind of opened my eyes to what what else was out there, and I, I kind of always thought like I'm I'm never gonna live in my hometown my yeah. whole life. I always yeah. thought there was more. Because I'm learning as I investigate and interview people how the topics, the things, the concepts, I should say concepts, that are um, welcomed or shown at home, mm. they kind of help develop the personality. And yeah, yeah. So it sounds like there was, you know, some young travel, because not everybody gets that. No, it was it was pretty limited, but what, what I did experience kind of really, really affected me. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I get the impression, I'm not sure, like, um, if it was about like a journey of finding quote unquote your people, I think that's a big thing for creative yeah. people to find their people. If you're born in a place where you're you clearly stand out, or yeah. you're not in, you're not a part of it, mm. and that journey. Yeah, so. I, I definitely felt like that in terms of like the music I was into. I was into fashion from a pretty early age as well. It's like there's no one around me. It's like it's like this is crazy. So when like I first started going to London, probably in my mid teens, and I just felt completely at home. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you knew. Yeah, yeah. So then it was just about plotting and planning and saving up to get here. Yeah, pr pretty much. There wasn't much of a plan to it, actually. I was working for Topshop at the time. It was like my first like proper job, again, because I was interested in fashion. And then I got the opportunity to like open a store in London as a manager. So I was like, literally, I got the job. I didn't have anywhere to live, packed a suitcase, and just got on a flight that was it wow yeah yeah so okay because that's cool I, I love what we're bringing up here is oftentimes when people make the transition to a city mm. it's always the argument the chicken or the egg like mm. do you go with the job or do you some cities require being there to actually get the job because that's how in tight the inner workings of the city but you said you were able to pull off getting the job yeah yeah that's pretty yeah. cool that must have felt good at least you felt like you had a purpose yeah it was amazing it's just but i think that that just spurred me on even more is like I've got a job I'm just going to do it so all of this sort of fears about yeah I don't have anywhere to live how am I going to take care of myself financially and stuff like that it just whatever I'm just going to do it I'll make it work mm -hmm. yeah so that was that was pretty awesome and how old were you at this point um so it was 21 mm -hmm. then yeah mm -hmm. yeah and uh how long did it take for you to feel at home in, oh because I okay so maybe I back up you feel like you sort of already answered that you said yeah you you loved it straight away. Yeah, even young. Yeah, I've, I've always felt at home here. But London's yeah. not easy, regardless if you like actually like the city. Yeah, feeling at home is a totally different. But thing. it's it's kind of it's it's the feeling it gives you within yourself. You can feel like you can express yourself, and no one really cares. No one gives a shit. Yeah. So that that's the thing that made me feel like really comfortable here. We were saying that yeah. together before we were yeah. chatting before we started recording that I do love that here as well, like more so than in New York even. Mm how little people care and you mm -hmm. can really just go wild being yourself yeah yeah, yeah. but it, the flip side is is you live here longer it kind of it does grate on you a little bit because people really don't care about you you could be literally on fire in the street <laughs> and no one would care so it's kind of kind of the flip side i find that really liberating because where i was from like if you were different in any way it was like who's this guy yeah you stood out like a sore thumb basically. yeah so what was when did you find your people like when did you know that you were friends with people who were like-minded well, I think I think getting that job in Topshop and stuff like that, you're just surrounded by people. At that stage, Topshop was blowing up as a brand in the UK again. It was, it went through like almost like 30 years of just being a terrible, terrible brand. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it just blew up again, mid 2000s. Wow. It was like it had the whole Kate Moss thing kicking off, like just really great designers coming on board. 
they've got their shit together marketing wise as well mm -hmm. so it was great to be a part of it that's the days and then to be in london and be a part of it as well at the heart of it was incredible and then just the people around me were just completely sort of like-minded they were up for it they were up for that whole scene at that time so at that time it was like kind of the places that we used to hang out we used to hang out in camden quite a bit up and around there now that's become kind of like cliche touristy hell but that's when like amy winehouse and stuff you could go into a pub and she'd be sitting there and pete doherty and the likes of that it was yeah. that whole sort of era and um, before it all started moving east then basically yeah that's when i, I just thought to myself yeah cool this is it this mm -hmm. is we're mm -hmm. feeling at home mm -hmm. yeah and so did you also feel at home in the job because you then yeah. i mean you fast forward you've been in this career you've been in this mm. uh, path for a long time so yeah. i mm -hmm. guess you're experiencing on both levels um yeah yeah job wise as well it like it is it is a proper job it's like did it not feel like a proper job sometimes it didn't there was a there was a fair amount of goofing around but that was kind of came with the territory but like as a company they're pretty slick and operations and stuff like that so it was good to learn felt like learning a, a trade almost in terms of like how to retail fashion effectively mm -hmm. merchandise and stuff like that they were pretty hot on it so yeah and you worked for other brands as well yeah yeah so um I work with Urban Outfitters after that as well. So, yeah, that's kind of the next level in the UK, bizarrely. It's kind of like the edgier brand. So I moved on to Urban, managed some stores for them as well. Yeah, I'm totally going to bookmark yeah. this. We yeah. can talk about it later. Yeah. But we were saying about how it's edgier here than mm. it is in the States, and even mm. though it's an American brand yeah, or yeah. An American um, retailer. Yeah. And that's funny because um, we're... I think that London has great fashion for guys and mm. it's more liberated and you can you can get away with different cuts and styles and shapes and silhouettes mm -hmm. that just yeah, don't yeah. seem to be accepted yeah, or yeah. welcomed in the US. Uh -huh. But um, we'll bookmark that and maybe come back. Yeah, to it. So yeah, keep yeah. going with the path that led you to yeah, where you so, are now. Yeah, so Topshop kind of felt like I took it as far as I could in that respect. Like I had all those experiences. I learned I learned to trade a little bit. Yeah, because it's super corporate, so you're learning the rules. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. They're so slick. They're very good at like maximizing profits and stuff like that. So you're you're learning the basics. Um, but then when I moved across to Urban, Urban in Europe at that stage was pretty young as a company. They only had like six stores, so it felt kind of like you're running your own business, running one of those stores. Wow. So it, was, it was like I graduated into big school. Um, <laughs> and in terms of the visuals and stuff like that. Um, like we had display artists in each store that would create the fixtures. So there's a lot of creativity involved and I just love that. It's like you're creating like a real experience for people walking into the store. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. pride themselves on that. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. Cool. yeah, totally. But I think in the UK at that time we were particularly effective at it because like, you'd walk into one of their stores and be like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then there was the whole music thing then as well. We had used to get some really good uh, DJs in. We used to have album launches in, in the stores and stuff as well. And again, there was it was kicking off with like um, like electronic music and particularly um, like minimalist techno and stuff was kicking off. Then we used to get acts like in the store and they, they would launch their album. Like yeah. Digitalism, um, Stanton Warriors, people like this. It was a really good time. Yeah, they they're very keen on lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So that mm. I'm sure that mm. that exposure helped now because you're in a, such a lifestyle driven brand. Yeah, yeah. So where did you go from there? Well, actually, I took a weird sort of tangent. I ended up working for Apple like for five years, effectively. Which but uh, uh, but but to be fair, another yeah. phenomenal brand with yeah, really yeah. really strong branding like uh, concepts, and they yeah. they know who they are and who they're talking to. Exactly, like 
I got seduced by it all. Effectively. <laughs> it's happened. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure it's happened before. Because I, I was, I was pretty happy in Urban actually. I think that's maybe one of the regrets I had, like I, in terms of career and stuff. Like I kind of got seduced by the whole Apple sort of juggernaut type of thing and the whole retail Apple retail side of things. So I was doing that for five, five years with them and um, progressed up the ranks. I was like an operations manager for them, helped open a few stores, etc. Um, across Europe. It surprises me I was there so long because I don't really think that's where my heart's at. It's like fashion and apparel and stuff like that is it's who I am. It's a big part of what makes me. So it was, yeah. it was kind of weird in a way. I felt like for five years I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you turn yeah. the helm and get back on track. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up in my current role, I'm the head of retail for a company called Rafa. We make cycling apparel, but it's like luxury, sort of high-end stuff. Um, and it's, it's more than just the apparel, it's a lifestyle around it as well. It's yeah. completely dedicated to the history of road cycling. Okay. I'm pretty passionate about cycling. So. Yeah, say you mentioned beforehand, yeah. like cycling being an interest of yours, and then when joining the brand, it kind of got to fire up because you were allowed to, I guess. You're allowed to cycle because it's seen, you know, you're actually allowed to indulge in it yeah, yeah. because it's it's positive for work. It's kind of always been like hobby, I guess, my main sort of pastime. It was kind of like, it was a secret in Ireland because if you ride a bike and you're in Lycra in Ireland, people say rude things to you, oh, put it like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, again, so <laughs> finding your people and actually yeah, exactly. being able to be able to have your sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not too many people running around in Lycra, where I'm from. Gotcha, like yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Got it. So, I mean, what I think is really great, a chance to talk about, is kind of reminding people that it's possible to have such a, I don't say fun, but just like enjoyable aspect of work where mm-hmm. you are combining it with your passion. Yeah, yeah. And so what's that feel like? Um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I do get to ride my bike a lot in exotic places. It's, it's also pretty hard work as well, but it's, it's great being able to combine something that you love, and I think... It means what I what I actually do is authentic. I'm coming from like a, a real place. I'm not trying to sell something that I don't actually have an interest in. Right. When it was that with Apple, like I like their products, but I wasn't like super passionate about right. like selling their products to people. Mm-hmm. I used them. It wasn't the biggest thing in my life. So you actually were alluding before about how it can almost be too much. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to make the point that it's really great to yeah. be able to infuse your passion into your work because that probably feels really rewarding. Mm-hmm. But it's a slippery slope that apparently you have to balance. So tell me about the balance that you work yeah, on. Yeah, so you have to have something outside of that as well because cycling is related to my job and it's such a social sort of sport as well. Like you go out on a group ride, there's maybe like 10, 12 other guys and inevitably you get chatting to them and they say, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm the head of retail for Rafa. And they're like, shit, no way. Tell me about that. So you end up talking about your job all the time to people when you're trying to um, unwind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's like you don't want to think about work. Yeah. I thought maybe too just the mere fact that maybe like, I, I don't know, in my head when you mentioned that like sometimes it's a bit much, I thought maybe it was almost like muscle memory. Like you associate yeah. work with cycling in yeah. some way that when you get on your bike, your mind actually just goes to work anyway because you do yeah. it connected so often tandem. Yeah, it, it can get like that definitely. And I, I think that's the danger with with pursuing something, having a career in something you really love and there's a hobby outside of it, trying to get that balance. Like I really do, I, I love cycling. Uh, for me, like in the past, it's been a tremendous sort of outlet for stress and just like trying to be at one with myself and just let go of things. But when it's associated with what you do day in, day out as well now, it's it makes it more challenging. So I've had to try and find 
other things. What yeah. is? What have you found? Well, I find I find yoga actually. Well, I, I initially got into it because it helps with cycling. It strengthens your core and stuff oh, like right. that. But it's actually like it's it's my outlet. It allows me to de-stress. It allows me to be in a place where I can just completely let go. There's a lot of similarities, yeah. I think, because yeah. like, cause yoga can be in a group and yoga can yeah. be solo. Uh -huh. And then also yoga, and it's in a different way, yeah. but it's about challenging yourself yeah. and pushing yeah. to see what you're capable of, yeah. right? Yeah, like um, cycling, like I'll maybe go to the Alps in the summer and, and ride up some mountains. And when you're riding up a mountain for an hour and a half, it's li literally you just become inside yourself, basically. You, 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 just, you can't focus on anything except getting up that mountain. So everything else just disappears. And it's it's really, really liberating, but also really hard. Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like so much of it is similar to what you'd expect from meditation. Do you do you deliberately mm -hmm. meditate, or do you just find yourself able to do it through through that? I've started deliberately doing it as well, making time. It's so just, important. Just try and clear my mind of everything, effectively. Because there's just so much going on. It's like work. Everything outside of work, a whole lot, it's just, it's, it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. definitely. So yeah. let me switch gears for a minute because I wanted to get back. I bookmarked it a little, and I want to get back to, um, you've been in London how long? Uh, Ten years now, yeah. Okay, yeah. so what I like is that you're coming from it with really keen eyes because you're coming from a place where it just, you describe as like not really fashion conscious and almost sort of like wants to bully you a bit if you do you know like torture you a bit if oh, you actually try yeah, yeah. so i was I, the first guy with skinny jeans in, in my town and that didn't that, go that, you, well. that was you no yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so i feel like you're probably extra aware of fashions specifically menswear like what can you talk about like the evolution since you've been here what you've seen whether it can be like trends or just attitude or impact yeah. well I, th I think there's a couple of key brands like high street brands that have made like more forward thinking men's fashion acceptable because definitely like 10 years ago it wasn't people weren't pushing the boundaries as much definitely there was definitely this the element in london anyway that was always pushing the boundaries because it's always been that city but in terms of like the mainstream where like guys are experimenting more like your average guy is feels confident and we're yeah the average guy you're yeah, right i like how you're saying that yes. yeah yeah mm -hmm. feels a bit more confident i think maybe brands like even like top man top shop they've kind of made more adventurous fashion kind of acceptable for the mainstream but particularly for men as well however i think they've lost the plot quite a bit in like in recent <laughs> years but definitely mid-2000s to push that out there i think as you, if you're on that journey as well like for me like i started wearing all that stuff and stuff from urban outfitters and then progressed into brands like epc and acne and stuff like that so the next sort of level is sort of premium stuff um, well, helps if the paycheck increases as well yeah well exactly, those are expensive yeah. brands you're talking yeah, about yeah definitely but um it's it's kind of that sort of progression and again east london as well is just blown up if you're going to like see a, a popular like style that every guy, guy's going to be wearing five years from now you come to east london and that's it how, how does this compare to traveling is there yeah. other cities that you think um are equally as competitive or equally as stimulating in this uh, department yeah berlin i would say definitely berlin's like the past five years or so has been a hot city for everything like creatively music art fashion the whole the whole shebang basically that's so cool. i love going to berlin it reminds me of london in many ways in that respect oh okay yeah yeah new york particularly like uh, williamsburg places like that okay. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So talk to me how fun it is to travel for work some people see it as like a huge like oh man and some people think it's like the most amazing thing to be able to travel with work yeah it, it is pretty awesome it, it's hard with a jet lag and stuff like that but it's 
it's getting to see the the differences in culture and attitudes towards things, but also the similarities as well. It's really refreshing to think that we all have things in common. But you, yeah, you get to see different attitudes towards fashion, art, food, the whole lot. It's it's, it's really really cool. So yeah. is is it obligatory that you have to bring your bike when you travel? You know, if you're doing it for work, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I like bringing it because it's it's good to meet people. If you bring your bike, like the the first time I went to Japan, I brought my bike. And actually, it saved me in a big way because there was a typhoon when I was flying in. So literally, like the last hour of the the plane journey, we were being like shaking the shit on this plane. Everyone was screaming, thinking we're going to die. But anyway, we landed eventually. Um, oh my god! But when we got into Narita Airport, all of the trains had been cancelled into Tokyo. And I was like, literally, it was the first time I was there in Japan. I was like, it's so crazy foreign. It's not even right. funny. Mm-hmm. But um, I had my bike in a box, a huge box with me. And I was on the platform, like, just scratching my head. And this this cool Japanese guy comes over. He's like, oh, is, is, what's this? Is this golf, golf clubs? I was like, no, nah, man, it's, it's a bike. And he thought it was the most amazing thing ever, that there was a bike in a box. But anyway, <laughs> this guy, this guy, like, literally, he took me the whole way into Tokyo on, like, the suburban train network. He didn't even have to go oh, there. Oh, so here I'm thinking you are yeah. going to say that you rode your bike, you know. No, no, no. But it was because you had it, and it was this great conversation yeah, starter. Yeah. It was a conversation starter with that Amazing. guy. Amazing. But the, it, it tends to be that. Like, and when you ride on your bike as well, you meet people, and it's, it's a good way to, like, actually get a true sense of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to bring my bike as much as possible. That's awesome. Although Australia is pretty hardcore. Don't ride a bike in Australia. They'll Why? Kill, they'll kill you. Oh, with the drivers? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just Australian people, when they ride bikes, they... <laughs> They don't hang around. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, and we kind of skimmed over it a bit, but I like to get into some topics and, and get people's opinions mm. to kind of create a good balanced debate. And I wanted to ask you about the debate of going to school and training versus throwing yourself into the real world and learning as you go. Yeah. You've chose the latter mm. and you were out there working mm. straight away. Mm. And what did that do for your career? Well, I think I wouldn't be at this point in my career at this age without doing that. Um, and I think it's given me experience with people and like a work environment that I, I wouldn't have got in university. Like a professionalism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A professionalism, being able to deal with sort of complex situations between people and conflicts and stuff like that. I think you only really get that through being in the thick of it and experiencing it. But I guess there's there's a weird sort of conflict there as well. I think I appreciate that, but I also miss the fact that maybe have some regret about the fact that I didn't get to make mistakes in university and experience the world without having any responsibilities. Mm. Um, Growing up quickly. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you can't get fired from university, but yeah, you, yeah. you can get fired from a job. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't get a chance to fuck around, basically. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess, because I, I mean, I think that is something I can sort of sense from, from the people I know and who are insanely talented and smart and are doing quite well but you can almost sort of sense that mm. they um like i don't want to say childhood because you're not yeah, a child yeah. but there is some sort of innocence lost yeah yeah totally you have to you have to get real about things pretty pretty quickly if you've got responsibilities and stuff like that but um at the same time yeah it sometimes i, I find myself trying to capture that at times in terms of like of a weekend and going out and stuff like that mm. and being a bit more trying to push the boundaries a bit more, <laughs> I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I don't regret it. It's, so ultimately? Ultimately, I don't. I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah, well, especially if you said yeah. you're, you've got that sort of vision and work ethic and work style that you mm. 
because you know a plaque on the wall versus like what you actually get to do every day for work yeah yeah sounds more rewarding yeah yeah definitely i'd rather be doing what i'm doing now than have a plaque on the wall and then did you know with the certainty that you'd you'd end up not regretting it or was it always was it um awkward process but were you going back and forth or was it clear i was i went through a stage where i was pretty ashamed that i Mm. didn't have like a degree i didn't go to university and stuff like that and i would kind of play it down with people that i didn't i wouldn't I wouldn't be forthright about it, but now I'm the opposite. I'll just tell them, yeah, yeah, I didn't go to university. Yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah, I think it's, like, exactly, yeah. I think it's, like, well, I think it went through transition of people mm. who, like, uh, only only select people could, could yeah. go, and then now it's, like, everybody but, can go, and it's expected that you go. Yeah, well, I, I, had, a, I had a teacher back in high school as well, because I, I started working and whatever, and I really enjoyed working, and I liked the, getting a paycheck and stuff like that, and being able to spend it on stupid shit. <laughs> well, no, just independence. That's usually yeah, what people yeah. say. Yeah, totally. It was it was the independence. So I had a teacher who told me that if if you continue down this path, you'll never amount to anything. So that's that's always stayed in my mind. Oh. Yeah, and I I know that teacher is still in the same place doing wow. the same job. Yeah, like that's fifteen funny. years later, and I'm. At, off to Tokyo. I think that's <laughs> yeah, what we yeah. call irony. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but it's it's um, yeah. I know so many people just got. That they felt so much pressure to get that degree and that they thought that they would never be able to succeed because that, that's what was drilled into them, that you won't be able to succeed without that. Mm. But I think it's it's a lot to do with your own character and, and you know, if, if you want to succeed, it's something you'll do it anyway. Yeah. You really will. Like, For sure. Yeah. So I, I was asking, I had asked you really quickly on the fly, and I'd love to just pick your brain about, but like brand diagnosis, I mean, so mm. your job is specifically within retail ops and, you know, outfitting shops and stores mm. and getting them prepared to mm. bring in mm. profit. And um, there's been this economic crisis. Yep. And, and some people who have the ability that you do and have the awareness that yep. you do can actually walk into a store and tell if it's doing well or doing bad. Yeah. Like, and so, is that something, like, if I, I, do you do it for fun? Because I think I would do it for fun. Just oh, to yeah, sort of yeah. pop into a shop and see. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that, that's, that's another thing I like about traveling, because you get to walk into different retail environments and tear them to shreds, basically. <laughs> it's, it's, it is pretty fun. Um, but I think, in terms of, like, talking about, like, the economic climate change and stuff like that, I think brands that have done well have probably invested more in what their stores actually look like because the experience um, yeah you're you're creating i think apple were pretty good at they spent like a huge amount of money they're like the masters they spend so much money on their stores like all the stones that they use in the floor they have a mountain in italy where each store has like a seam of like stone for um each yeah each like they take it the extreme yes but all those little details Go, go to create like an environment when you walk in is like yeah i've got utmost trust and dropping two thousand dollars on on a mark here yeah they're almost yeah, yeah. like churches you yeah, could, yeah you go to worship you but you you don't even realize it when you're walking in because there's so much detail around you that people have thought about and it's so considered you don't even realize it but it creates an environment where you feel really like comfortable and dropping a lot of money and um, i think good retailers get that and they won't like in times of economic trouble, they'll they'll actually probably up the investment, just to make it, make them stand out, make them that next sort of level. Yeah, what it, on a whole, like yeah. on a on a like a, if you had to make a snapshot yeah. about yeah. the change, because in terms of America to the UK, there was a delay in the crisis, like in the, in yeah. the fallout. Yeah. And so it took another like two years for it to cr- cross over the yeah. Atlantic. Like yeah. so, 
I'd say it was the end of 08 in America, yeah. so it was like kind of like the end of 10 here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What have you seen change like in like in terms of bouncing back or like cause well, a lot of empty well, shops and I all think, that? I think it was good in a way because it got rid of a lot of really shit retailers who had been doing the same thing for like 50, 60 years and hadn't evolved. So it, so it was a hard lesson. Yeah, it was a hard lesson. I think it was unfortunate obviously because loads of people lost jobs and whatever, but... I think as well, it made people look at e-commerce differently as well. It's like e-commerce is not going to go away. It's it's integral to what what we have to do now, and then integrating that into like a physical sort of space as well. That that's probably the biggest lesson learned. And then there's a lot of retailers now focusing on creating an experience, which is good because you can buy anything online now. Like right, and you have it delivered same day, even if you want. So to get someone to go to a physical retail space, you have to give them more. Mm-hmm. than just being able to buy something. Yeah, and Rafa yeah. does that. Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your favorite part about that, that sort of lifestyle extension branding? Well, it's like what what we do is like each, each store we have, there's like a, there's a community that builds up around it. So cycling is a social sport. We go out as a group together. It's, each store has a coffee shop in it as well. So you can hang out, you can talk to friends, you can start, share stories about riding. And it's pretty, it's pretty genuine. It's not like forced or... Right. Yeah, it's not like a like a really sterile environment. It's pretty organic in that respect. Um, we show racing and stuff as well on the screen. So if you're into cycling, it's, it's a place you feel comfortable coming mm-hmm. and watching the sport. So I think that's, that just takes us to like another level. It's not just about buying something, mm-hmm. but inadvertently you're being surrounded by, by all the of Apple our... effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, we covered a lot of topics. I'm really appreciative because yeah. this, is, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you make some good points and contribute to bigger conversations mm-hmm. that I get to bring up through the show. So I really appreciate you having you come this way. I mean, it was a bit – we started – we showed up at one place, it didn't work, and I yeah, really, yeah. really appreciate your flexibility. So we're here Don't worry about uh, that. Yeah, in the studio. But thanks so much. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to show your support through comments and reviews. 